Good morning, everyone. I think I'm maybe just a, a tad late starting here. Nope, we're on time, huh? Okay, so let me silence my phone here so we don't have that going off. All right, uh, we're in Second John this morning, and as I think Eileen was saying, you know, we're back to the normal normal thing where. It's me in the Sunday mornings and Josh on Wednesday evenings. So just to remind you of that, uh, we could switch again if schedules, you know, kind of force us into that. We are in 2 John chapter 1, and we're going to start on question 3. We're going to start with verse 4. But before we get started, if you will, please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you and praise you for this wonderful day you've given us, Father. We thank you for being our one true God, the Almighty God, the one we can turn to, the one we can rely on, Father. We thank you for that, and we thank you for your Son, Jesus, who came and enabled us to have this relationship with you, Father. We thank you and praise you for that as well, and we ask that you would lead and guide us in this study, Father. Help us to draw closer to you, to learn more about you, Father. Help help us to renew and and regenerate our hearts, Father, to grow more in the likeness of Jesus, our Savior. We thank you and praise you for everything, all your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 2 John chapter 1, we're looking at uh, question 3, verses 4 through 6. I'm going to just read those verses real quick. I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So, if we look at question three, what caused John to rejoice greatly? We're just going to take it one piece at a time. Right, that they were walking in truth, right? They were living as God commanded. That's, that's what he was rejoicing greatly in, in verse four, right? That some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. In other words, following God, following the teachings that we should be. So what plea did he make also? That we love one another. That we love one another. That we love one another. Same thing that Jesus stressed a great deal the night before he went on to be crucified. So this is something that John will be very familiar with. Um, let's see, um, so before we get into the next question, does anyone have anything else on that? There was something I wanted to mention. Yes. Well, I was just thinking again, I think you talked last time about this lady, either, either it's some prominent lady there in the congregation or it's, or it's a representation of the congregation itself. So her children are either, <laughs> either, you know, her literal children or, or the members of the church there, that they're being faithful and John's happy that. That they're, that they're faithful. And it's interesting also about this new commandment. We just had that 
in First John where he's uh, a new commandment I write to you. It's not a new commandment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which is it? It's, it's new because it's better in Christ, and he's just kind of saying the same thing here. Right. He is going on with the same the same type of idea, the same message. And as far as I think, there's a verse at the end of this letter where we're going to see that perhaps. The uh, perhaps this is more in line with thinking of this as a, another congregation, but we'll we'll get there and we'll we'll mention that. I think that's because I, I was going back through this again and I was like, well, really, if you look at it that way, you can kind of see that at the end of the letter. But uh, in the beginning, you could take it either way. But I think as we get down there, like I said, in the last verse, we'll we'll mention that. Now, one thing, the love that he's talking about, the love he's talking about us walking in in. Verse six. When I was looking at the, I was looking at the interlinear Bible for this. Um, the same verse, I mean, the same word for um, used for his, like in his commandments, is used again as um, the word love. Am I on the right verse, though? I think I am. Anyway, um, it's just that we should walk. We are. We should be walking in Christ's love or Christ's commandments. That's the main thing that we're getting at. So I guess, in a way, it doesn't really matter. I just thought it was interesting that that word is used there at His commandments, and it's also used. I think it may be in some translation. It says you should walk in love. And it's the same word. And it's like that's Christ's love. We should be walking in Christ and in Christ's love. That was the idea. So the New King James Version says you should walk in it. At least that's what I have here. So all right. So moving on, uh, let's look at verses 7 through 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. Wait just a minute. Did I skip question four? I did. I'm sorry. That's what I'm getting confused over, too. How does John define love, then? Being obedient to God, Being obedient to God right? Walking according to his commandments, Jesus, what Jesus told us. Yes, Pat. Christ himself said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Right. Keeping his commandments is love, right? Right. Excuse me? The world knows that we are, are his because we. That's right. The world will know that we are his because we love one another, right? And we show that, and it's something that just it just happens. It just comes naturally, and the world will see that, right? Right. He did, he did say that as well, and that's true. And that's, that's the love that John is, is getting at, right? So I'm sorry I kind of went around and tried to skip past that, but that is love, that we walk according to his commandments and, and follow what he told us to do, which is to love one another, to care about each other. Now, does anyone have anything on that before we move forward? All right. So we'll read verses 7 through 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves 
that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. So we want to look at question five. Who does John describe as a deceiver and an antichrist? Um, okay, so yeah, one who does not confess Christ as coming in the flesh, right? That's that's that was a big part of of John's letters here was against those people who were saying that Jesus didn't actually come in the flesh, and there's there's other variations of that where like. The Spirit came on him at one point, and it left before he went to the cross, and there's there's a lot of weird teachings, we'll say, out there. Um, they were in that time. I imagine they're still out there today, though. Some of these things I had not heard of myself but until we were studying this and looking into this. So, yes. All right. So, yes, that we... Uh, one who does not confess Christ is coming in the flesh is a deceiver and antichrist. They're opposed to Jesus. They're opposed to Christ. So why did John counsel? This as self-reflection. Yes. Um, we need to protect and cherish and, and value what, <clears throat> what we have, our faith and our new way of life. And make sure that we're pleasing to God. Right, right, and and yeah, man. Well, the the warning is that we would not lose what we work for. That we want to get that reward. I mean, it kind of speaks against the whole popular view of once they go and say we, we need to actually walk in the commandments of God and obey Him so that we don't lose other. Right. We, we want to make sure that we cherish and do not lose the things we've worked for, the things we have gained through Christ. And we can lose those things if we do not, you know, if we do not follow the Lord and continue on that, that correct path. Now, I want to make sure um, when it says look to yourself, I saw some other translations and, and like they said here, self-reflection, some other translations um, were saying more like, Beware or watch yourself, you know, be be aware of what you're doing, what you're, you know, make sure that you're staying in the right, uh, following the Lord correctly. So it is a warning. It is a warning to to be aware, to watch out. Don't lose what you've gained through Christ, basically. Yes. Pat. And the only way you can do that is to say the word, to know what to well, right. The only way to be aware and to make sure is to study the Word, right? Otherwise, it's easy. It's very easy to be distracted and deceived and get off into the wrong territory. So, yes, Matt. It's interesting, too. A lot of times it's hard to tell when, when the word you is plural, but it's, it's watch yourselves, right? Yes. And you all, you as a group, the, the church here, the, the lady and the children or the members there, you all need to watch out for each other. But you don't. It's not just a 
a single person look at just self-reflection. It's like help each other and watch out for each other. That's true. There is a there is very much a plural aspect to this where we should be watching out for each other, watching out for the congregation as a whole and for other Christians in general. That's true. That's because this is definitely plural. Watch yourselves. So that's great. Does anybody have anything else on that? Okay. Um, we want to look at question seven. What happens if one transgresses and does not abide in the... Well, okay. Doctrine. The word doctrine, that's just such a formal word. And doctrine is really belief or a set of beliefs. We believe Jesus is the Son of God, so that is a doctrine of ours. So when they say doctrine, if you just think of that as belief or a set of beliefs that we hold as a part of our faith, maybe that would be easier. It helps me anyway to think of it that way. Matt? Or teachings. Teachings, teachings, yes. The teachings that you believe and follow. Yeah, that's good. So just a... I don't know. Doctrine just always sounds so formal and makes it sound like something I don't know. I don't know. It just it seems weird to me. Yes, Pat. I just think of uh, the Old and New Testament, and so in the New Testament we had the law of Christ, and the Old Testament we had the law of Moses. Right. In the Old Testament, the doctrine was the law of Moses, and in the New Testament, the doctrine is the law of Christ. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you can say you can think of it that way if that helps. That is also good. But I just wanted to mention that. Um, so, again, question seven. What happens if one transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ? Does not have God, right? That's plainly what he says in verse nine. He does not have God. So, that again goes back to the previous verse. We can lose, right? We can lose what we have in Christ if we lose our faith if we walk away from our beliefs or our doctrine, right? If we stray from the teachings. Let's see. Um, now, let's see. In verse 9, yes. Okay. The phrase, anyone who runs ahead. Right. That's what I was going to talk about, actually. Um, yes. So, anyone who runs ahead, now your Bible may say who goes on ahead, right? My Bible doesn't say that. It says anyone who transgresses. Yeah, mine says whoever transgresses. But if you think about running ahead, it pertains to being outside the teachings of Christ. You're running ahead. If we're supposed to be following Jesus, but you run ahead of him, who are you really following? Now you're following yourself, right? So now you're doing your own thing, and we're putting ourselves in the lead when we do that. So that's how I took that. So if anyone has any other thoughts on that, you can let me know or let us know. Uh, that's what the class is for. But that when you're running ahead, you're getting ahead of the one you're leading, then who are you really following? That's, that's the thing. That's yes, ma'am. Just go ahead and do it. <laughs> you're like, you don't really care about what the rules are. You just go ahead and just do whatever. Well, that, yeah, that is an attitude we can get. I just go ahead, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you can just go ahead and do it, and that's not really, you know, following what we're supposed to be following. So, yes? And we tend to get impatient, 
we do get impatient. We help them don't always understand. And we think, well, I'll just figure this out and do it my way. And I'm serving God in my way, and you serve him in your way. That's not correct thinking. Because that shows that we're not humbling ourselves before God. We're not submitting to his will. And we're like, yeah, but I'm going to do I'm going to do me, you do you. And that's such a prevalent way of thinking today. But it's always promoting self. Right, the idea of going ahead and just doing doing what you want to do the way you want to do it, that is very prevalent today. And that is getting ahead of or going putting yourself before the Lord, getting impatient and doing that. Yes? I was thinking of a game we used to play called... What, Shirley? Run ahead. It doesn't say that. Mine doesn't say that either. Mine says whoever transgresses, right? Yeah. Now, could someone be the one that says run ahead? Um, okay. I think I have that. Or if someone has that in the ESV, if they want to read it, I think NIV. that was... I think the NIV has that. The NIV has it? Okay. I but I can... You can read it? Yeah. Anyone okay. who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Okay, so basically it says anyone who runs ahead and does not have the teaching of Christ does not have God. But the, the word just means to go to go on ahead. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're running in sprint. It's just that you yeah, have to yeah. go on ahead. Right. The only one I have is transgression. Right, that's what, I, that's what so mine that's has different, too. Different thoughts. And the, the idea is, is that it's, it's a figurative way of saying that you're moving ahead or putting yourself ahead of Christ, that you're moving beyond outside of the teachings of Christ. So, and whereas ours is perhaps a little more of the meaning, I think, that was intended. Depends on how you want to look at it. Pat? I just think of the game we used to play, the kids follow the leader, and that meant, you know, they go beyond the leader, you follow them. And as little children, we hold our mother's hand and sometimes we let go and we get ahead of her. And she says, no, you stay back here with me. And the reason is because there might be danger ahead. Well, that's true. And so, you know, if we follow Christ, we're not going to have that danger because we know what's ahead. He's telling us. Right. You're thinking of it as like a little child who you have with you, and they want to run ahead, but you don't want them to run ahead. It could be dangerous for them to run ahead away from you. You, I mean, imagine a parking lot or anywhere else you might be walking, and you're like, you know, you want to keep your child with you and keep them safe. And we're safe in the... Huh? What, the NIV? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, I'll see if I can I can pull it up here as well. Explains it good. That just happened. It's a different. It's a different Greek word. There's uh there's lots of different copies out there, and so so some of them use different words. Right. So anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. And then it says, whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and Son. So the idea is to stay within the teaching. I guess transgresses is not exactly the same, but it's uh, you know the, still the idea is that you're acting out of the teachings of Christ. Thank you. Yes. Yes. In Kim. the Old Testament, we see time and time again uh, a leader um, 
in the Old Testament who failed to ask or inquire of the Lord and to get his counsel. He just said, well, I'm going to do this. Right. And it doesn't go well. Right. And we, that ends up where we're at with transgression. We see a lot and of examples. The result ends up being transgression when we try to just do what we want. Right. We see a lot of those examples in the Old Testament, like where Saul would not, you know, would not go and ask of the Lord. He would just go ahead and do whatever he thought or what he wanted, and that would put him outside, you know, again, running ahead, putting himself ahead and doing what he wanted. Yes, Pat. I was thinking of the use of transgress as when a speaker gets up and he stops and he starts telling something. He says, but I transgress. Oh, that's digress. Yeah, I, um, then I, if, if I digress, then what? I've kind of wandered off topic. So that's not totally wrong. I mean, because if you if you digress, be like if I started talking about, for some reason, wandered off talking about food or the Packers or, you know, something silly like that. You know, that that would be a digression from where we should be. So digress has to do with walking. Walking across something we shouldn't do, we're going off the path, or we're progressing, or moving forward. Yes, hopefully we're progressing. Hopefully we are moving forward that way. Yeah, right. With Christ, yes. Okay. Sorry about that. No, no, it's fine. No, it's all good. It's what uh, what we're here for. Let's see. So, does anybody have anything else on that before we move to question eight? Yes, sure. Uh, my my verse says, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Is that, that in Second John? True, but there will be some people that will look at this verse, and they'll say, I am a child of God, I can't sin. That is not true. Because that is we all fall back into sin at some points of time, and and you have an advocate with the Father through Jesus to ask for the forgiveness. Am I not correct? No, what you're saying is correct. We do have sin, and, and there's no, uh, even John tells us that we all have sin, we all make mistakes, we all, and then like you're saying, Jesus is our advocate, advocate with the Father, and we do have to um, ask for forgiveness, right? So I was just wondering, are you in Second John or in First John? Because I think we talked about that in First John like a week or two ago. Because we're in Second John chapter one. Well, there's only one chapter. I got my book and I'm kind of lost. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, I'm so sorry. No, that's fine. There are people that would look at that verse. Yes. And say, I can't sin. So, I, you know, I'm there. a child of God. I cannot fall away from God. Right. There are people who take that, and that's part of, isn't that part of the uh, uh, once saved, always saved kind of mantra where they think they, you know, you, you can't have sin, you can't fall out of favor, but we we know that that's not true. Um, I'm trying to get back to First John. I'm just slow this morning. Sorry about that. Um, okay, well, I'm, uh, I'm so sorry. 
but yeah, that's all right. But anyway, there were people who were making the statement even back then, like you're talking about. There are people who were making the statement even back then that they believed in Jesus and God and they had no sin. They were perfect. And we just know that that's not true. And that's part of what John was teaching there was reminding us that we're not perfect. There was one perfect, and that was Jesus. Okay, so question number eight. Now we're in, let me get back. Okay, yeah, we're second John. Um, question number eight. What phrase clearly contradicts the oneness doctrine of the Godhead? Do y'all know what the oneness doctrine is? That's another phrase I've not heard. Okay, so, yeah, it is that, though. Um, the oneness, or Jesus only, or Unitarian, Unitarianism? Okay, sorry, I just haven't heard of these before. I had to look, look this up. Um, they teach that Jesus Christ is not only the Son, He is also the Father and the Holy Spirit. There's no three, it's just one, it's just Him. And He does all three modes. I'll say. That's the way they kind of had it phrased. Now, we know Jesus said on multiple occasions that he was not the Father and that he was going to the Father and things of that nature. So we know that that's incorrect. If he was the only one, then he would not have said any of that. So, But for the sake of argument in this verse, what phrase clearly contradicts the oneness doctrine of the Godhead? They say both. Right. The Father and the Son. He says both the Father and the Son, right? You have both the Father and the Son? But Jesus' baptism, the three were mentioned. Well, yeah. That too. There's a, there's a lot of evidence that contradicts that doctrine, but obviously someone was teaching this, and and this is, this is um, or has been teaching this at some point. So, but yeah, um, he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So that contradicts that idea. Or that belief, I guess. Alright, so does anyone have anything else on that? Because that's kind of a strange idea I hadn't I wasn't familiar with either. Alright. Okay, so if we look at question nine. How was one to respond to those who did not abide in Christ's doctrine? Don't have anything to do with it. Like said, don't invite him to your own, don't greet him. Right, neither receive him nor greet him, right? And and why why should we be careful about receiving or greeting them? They yes. think that we believe the way they do. Right. Are they yeah. us? Well, maybe. That's true, too. You could put yourself at risk. You could put yourself at risk. Did you have something, Matt? Yeah, I think the idea is, of course, he's addressing this church or this lady, or however yeah. we take that, but it's like maybe a traveling preacher's coming through, but he's a false teacher. Right. Well, maybe normally you would host this guy and be, be kind and provide for him and give him a forum to speak, but if he's a false teacher... Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, I don't know that they say be a jerk to the person, but 
but don't do all these things that show that you agree and you're supporting that and you're promoting. Right. Now, he's not saying to be mean or be evil to the person, Daddy. Years ago, Millersburg Church was trying out preachers, mm -hmm. and there was this man that came to the congregation and told the elders they would teach whatever the elders wanted him to teach. He's whatever doctrine you want, that's the one I'll teach for your church. Well, to say he wasn't <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay. So, so you had someone come to the elders and say they they would just teach whatever they wanted him to teach. That's okay. That's weird, but yeah. I I believe that. So there was somebody just saying, well, you know, I guess they don't have any belief of their own. Then they'll just teach whatever. That's strange, but okay. All right. Okay. Yes, Pat. Sometimes we have denominational people come to our door, like the Jehovah Witness and the Mormons, and we do let them in, but we have a purpose. We're going to tell them what the truth is. Right. Sometimes you, you might let someone in, like you're talking about, uh, from a different... They might be from a denomination or a different... Mormons, I'm not even sure if their count is a denomination, but nonetheless, I mean, anyway... Um, yeah, and maybe you want to try to share the truth with them and, and change their mind. Yes, ma'am. It's one thing to talk to them like that. Right. Maybe even have them in your table and talk to them. But it's another thing to have them stay in your guest room and use your home as a platform to teach. That, that's kind of... That's kind of that's, that, is, that is what he's getting at here, is you don't want to do anything to promote the wrong belief. That's the, that's the thing. You don't want to uh, do anything that would promote... A belief against, you know, the belief in Jesus, the belief that He came and He did what He did for us. Yes. And it says not to bid them God speed. So when they leave, you don't say God be with you. I mean, God speed to you because they have a false doctrine. I know years ago I had a uh, Jehovah Witness come to the door, and uh, they started talking about all the people they had so-called saved, and they went on and on. And I said that makes me really sad. And they said, well, why? And I said, because you're teaching them all false doctrine. And they laughed right away. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that, that makes sense if you're talking to someone of a different, basically a different type of faith where they, they're not following actually what's in the Bible. So. Think of it as a bad apple spoiling the whole bunch. A bad apple in the whole bunch. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It, you only need one to, to do that, maybe. Yeah, it, it can give all of us a, it can make a bad impression of all of us to the world even. Yeah, that happens sometimes too. So. I have one more comment. Okay. Years ago when we were at Medina, we were studying eighty uh, seventy doctrine. And lo and behold unto us, there were visitors there that believed that. And they were trying to throw it in. And so, uh, after it was all said and done, they started writing letters to Larry for a long, long time about how wrong he was. Oh, okay. And so, you know, he had to tell the congregation in the sermon all about it then after a while because he didn't want them to believe what they were believing falsely. Right, right, because those folks were believing in the eighty seventy doctrine that all that's already happened, everything's done. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's something. Uh, there's all kinds of wrong, wrong teaching, wrong doctrines out there, right?
Now he says here, he gives us a reason not to, again, this kind of goes back to our previous verses, right? But he gives us a reason not to do this, right? What does he say? Yes, ma'am. Not, not take part in the wicked works. I mean, you might be referring back right. to them teaching that Jesus didn't actually come in the flesh. That's, right. that's wicked to say that. That's why we don't want to promote it. We don't want to share in the evil deeds, which is the wrong teaching, the wrong things, right? We don't want to share in that. So we don't want to promote that. Yes, Kim. You know, we go back to this lady or the congregation there. This is advice he's giving. He's giving advice to protect them. To, and, and the main point of this chapter is to um, stand in the truth with love. Right. So that's like the big thing is the truth. And so this is all getting back to making sure that the doctrine and the teachings are true. Right. This is about standing in the truth, in love. And that's why, like we were saying earlier, you know, he's not he's not promoting doing anything harmful. He's just saying don't support them. Don't, you know, receive or accept them in a way that promotes their wrong teaching. And it also gets back to the warning to hang on to and protect. Don't lose. The faith that they have, the yeah. truth that they have. That's valuable. Right. Right. And don't yeah, don't give a platform for error to be taught and make sure that we're keeping what we've got in Jesus, right? Keeping what He's done for us, what He gave to us. So does anybody else have anything on that before I want to look at the last two verses here? All right. So the last two verses of 2 John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. Amen. Now, the verse 13 was the one I was talking about earlier. So what do you think verse 13 means or maybe at least implies? Yes, ma'am. Well, maybe it's the bride of Christ. I'm writing to the bride of Christ there, and the bride of Christ here greets you too. Right. <laughs> it's one there. congregation speaking to another, right? Did you have something, Maddie? No. I'm okay. Yeah. Um, so, you know... <laughs> So is this the children from another lady or congregation? It kind of supports the idea that he is speaking to another congregation and he is speaking to that congregation from his congregation or wherever he's at, that congregation he's in at that time. So I just wanted to mention that because that kind of was something we had talked about before and this kind of goes back to that. I uh, didn't really have a solid uh, question further on that. I think we're going to end now as our time is up for this morning. That is the end of 2 John. And next week we will start with 3 John. So I want to thank you for your time and your attention this morning.